You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. Hello, everyone. How you doing this week? Hey, Martinsville. David Hall. Back from show week. Welcome back. Uh, Greg Hectus. I'm here, but not here type thing. Okay, get your stuff done, and we'll check. We'll grab you when we need you. Yeah, still feel free to chime in anytime, but we won't throw any topics. Yep. Well, on today's show, we'll follow iRacers in the real-world action. We'll catch up on the third round of the Golden Ticket Skip Barber Formula Series, and we'll run, and we'll be there, a a new track coming to iRacing in the U.S. Uh, All of that, plus tons of great products to cover in the hardware section. And uh, you want to see all these great hardware topics and all these other topics we'll cover, go to iRacersLounge.com, select show notes, and you can follow along in real time on your PC or mobile device. So we'll see you there. Did you know changing to a new set of pedals can have an instant impact on your driving? Changes to pedals that allow you to build your muscle memory and be consistent lap after lap give you an advantage over the rest on track. With SimCoach's P1 Pro pedals, you can completely adjust them to match your driving style. Their new software visor allows you to adjust the pedals electronically for even more adjustability. Take control of your driving with these hyper-realistic pedals. For a limited time, SimCoach's is giving you guys 10% off the new set of pedals. Head over to SimCoach's.com and use discount code IRISERSLOUNGE at checkout to save. Guys, the topic we're going to hit up first, we have Mac Esterson in with iRacing. He's the GB3 Championship driver, Max Esterson. He's uh, sporting the iRacing sponsorship in the 2022 season. He's posted on Twitter that he's he started or having started his career in the sim, iRacing has been and continues to be a huge part of my development as a driver. Driving at tracks like Spa and Silverstone for the first time has shown me just how valuable thousands of virtual iRacing laps can be. Yeah, that's a really cool story. And this is one of those things where, um, you know, if if you're the opinion that iRacing is not a, a, a perfect representation of what you do in the real world, this is one way where I haven't heard of anybody say that that being able to get acquainted with these tracks and get laps on these tracks does not help. So even if the car doesn't feel right or, you know, particular um, particular things about the car and the feel and the way it drives might n- not be right, there, there's no doubt that these uh, represent, representations of these tracks are pretty much spot on. So you can learn a track, you know, whether you have to learn the car in real life or not, um, the 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 reproductions of these tracks is so spot on that um, doing all these laps on them in the virtual world can help you with a, a learning curve uh, when it comes to getting in a real car. 
I, I'm telling you what, I've never been to Europe, but you know, I know how to get through a Rouge, a spa, you know, in Belgium, <laughs> you know why? Well, I racing, you know, and, and other tracks, it's like, you're right. Like you're right. You know, and did what I, you know, a heads up over another driver who, who doesn't have iRacing, who's going into their car for the first time and going onto this track and, and not knowing, you know, is the corner going to go left? Is it going to go right? You know, as they approach it. Oh, and even just how to drive an old car, uh, it translates. And when I got to drive the late model at Memphis, it, it didn't feel foreign to me at all because I had done it so long in iRacing. I want to point out, go ahead. Sorry, Mike. And I've heard from like guys like Dale Jr. who said, you know, they've learned tracks on iRacing before they got there. And, um, they can they can use breaking points in the sim as a reference in the real life as well. Those type of things um, do kind of translate um, to uh, what happens in the real cars. The car itself that he's driving, man, it's petty blue. I mean, it really is a petty blue. Uh, got eye racing, you know, plain and simple on the on the side pod. Um, some you know, accented with a dark blue. I, I mean, it really looks sharp. Technically, I don't know what car this is. I mean, it says it's the GB3 championship, um, but man, it is pretty. It looks uh, it looks formula-ish. It's definitely got the formula-style halo, right? Yeah, like an F3 or something, yeah. But the um, what's different about it is it looks a lot heftier in the back than the F1 car does. I like the little side pod things that look like missile launchers on each side. Uh, I, you know, I want to say those are turbos or something. That's what makes it look a little bit heftier. Right. This is where, where Greg being around would be handy. He knows the F1 stuff. Him or him or uh, Kyle knows a little bit of the F1 too, I think. Yeah. But I, I, from what I understood and just did a brief, brief view of this stuff is like, it's a, it's a British um, series. Um, and um, it's just uh, their version of one of these, um, like F three type of, of uh, series. Okay. Well, the next one, I wish I could uh, drop in some copyrighted music to be appropriate. Um, I could probably sing it for you, and it wouldn't violate copyright. But uh, we're going to talk about Revenge of the Clone in a track far, far away. Yeah, far, far away is actually Langley Speedway. Um, so uh, this is a uh, tweet from iRacing. Uh, they sent this video out on their uh, on their Twitter account, and it's a it's a it's a it's a video of this car. It's a um, it is um, a street stock going around Langley, and uh, somebody clipped the uh, the blue cone, you know, for at the end of um, where the merge is coming out off a of pit road, and somehow it. It uh, managed to get on uh, this guy's hood and just stays there. It, it's, it slowly works its way up the hood to where, you know, you see the bottom, the inside of the cone from from his uh, driver's view. And it's actually blocking his view for the most part. Um, if, it's not, if it's not a short track where you're turning left and looking out the left side of the window, you probably wouldn't see where you, where you were going at all. But, uh, yeah, it was pretty funny. Um, uh, and, uh, yeah, uh, a little little – Needs a little work on the uh, physics of this cone being thrown on top of a hood, but it, it's a it's kind of a funny video. Well, it's kind of that's it's kind of sticky like Velcro, you know, kind of thing. You know, it didn't just fall off. You'd think it would fall off, and uh, 
but no, it, it stuck right there. And it was right in the view, like where you would be looking to see where that car is ahead of you. I uh, totally blocked. And so, but the guy stayed in it, you know, I get, you got to come in the driver not to, to panic, you know, and, uh, you know, even shaking it off might've you know, lost him time on the track, but he didn't even try. Now what they, what they, what I racing needs to add is the, is let him leave that on there for about 200 laps and then give him a penalty. There you go. Illegal tape on the illegal cone on the hood. All right. So we have NASCAR Euro Pinties and the Mexico Series car on iRacing question mark. Um, this is uh, an iRacing question on the forums. They asked in the form of a poll if you would like to see the NASCAR Euro Pinties and Mexico Series cars on iRacing, saying that it's the only stock car touring series we don't really have in the service at this point. If you would like to see all the cars developed, which of the three, or if you'd like to see one or all, which of the three do you think should be prioritized first? And have you looked at the results? Yeah, 70% yes and 29% no. And not sure about the other 1%, but that's what it says. And uh, 64 votes so far. I don't know why you'd vote no for this. I mean, I voted yes. I mean, looking at the pictures of the cars that Liam Brotherton put up, who's the, the forum op, uh, these cars look fun. I mean, they look like kind of like a mini stock car kind of thing, uh, maybe like a a six eighths stock car. It's just a little bit smaller wheelbase, I think. Might be fun, like a short track uh, situation. Yep. I mean, why would anybody say no content about the only negative? The only people who would vote no were probably road racers who are like, you get too much oval content, right? Yeah, and and the only other thing is, um, you know, what tracks would they need to add to uh, to fully represent the series properly? You know. Uh, do you want these cars just running around the, the American tracks or uh, are we going to start looking at add, adding some Mexican tracks? I know they have some uh, ovals down there that these guys race on. Somebody in the thread had posted, I can't find it now, but saying that basically this is what's left in oval. I mean, um, is there anything else left after you add this, you know, um, the, the little four bangers? Is that is that yeah, basically the like hobby stock stocks, yeah. like hobby stocks and stuff like that, and uh, scrambler cars? That's what they used to call them at these uh, dirt track races I went to. The scramblers, which is just like your four banger you beat the hell out of uh, going around the dirt track. It's actually it's more recreational than it is uh, competitive, but it's still pretty fun to watch because um, when I used to go to these dirt track races, you know, to watch sprint cars, and they'd have these four banger um, hobby stock uh, cars. Those are the guys who would get more mad at each other than anything. They would be the ones who would be fighting in the pit stalls. It wasn't. It wasn't the guys racing the you know hundred thousand dollars sprint cars. It was the guys in the uh, ten thousand uh, dollar beaters that they bought from the junkyard. Well, that that's because that's probably all the money they had. It may be. Right. And uh, yeah, and and they have fenders. You know, you're not going to be beating and banging with a sprint car, but uh, you get in those hobby stocks, you, and and you just feel like you can just wail on somebody and tempers the uh, flare. It's it's a it's a good time. And those guys are yeah, those guys are the kind of guys who you know do everything themselves, work on the car themselves, drink while they're doing it the whole time. It's it's a it's a fun thing. I think I'm at the point with the you know the cars and the tracks of maximum saturation i don't know what the word is but you know i I have enough cars to race you know i really don't need more you know to be honest because i'm not even racing what i got you know and so 
I usually get to it in a car and stick to it like the, like now I'm on the next gen and you know that I'm running a long season and that's pretty much what I run. I run a few other things. I love the 87 right now, but I don't know if I have time for new new cars and you know to run the Pinty series. Yeah, but it doesn't necessarily have to be just for uh, the big long time veterans, right? It can possibly bring in more from uh, well, Mexico still North America, but more from from across the border, right? It, that'll that should attract some of them a little bit more if they know their tracks are on here and their cars are on here. Good point. Yeah, and um, it's would it be that much different than the like the Brazil series that they have? You know, the um, the one that um, Tony Canan has been. Um, promoting it opens right. up a new market to their type of racing so it might maybe it might hurt some of the existing nascar stuff because because uh, those guys might levitate to something that they're more familiar with it's kind of two two ways you can approach it we spend probably most of our time focused on the on the a car um you know i dabble in the sports cars but usually i'm only seen there a lot more in the summer when, when I'm not working, I, I mostly do the ovals. Um, and that's just because I want to do that one thing well, right? There are some leagues out there, though, where their focus is run just about every car you can think of. Um, the majors, they you just about are going to be buying materials or buying new cars and new tracks every year because they're always trying to go with the new stuff, new content that's coming out. Um and I know the that Reddit league that's out there that I used to run, they try to run a lot of the legacy cars and legacy tracks so that they don't have to spend as much money. But um, that's a different approach that, that can result in some fun, especially if you've got good fixed setups because you don't have time to to, heart, to uh, learn setups for a different car every week. But uh, So those are the two different approaches. So I'm sure probably the majors likes this content idea more than anybody else. What they might like or might not like, and we know that it's uh, literally Mike's uh, favorite thing, uh, we were reminded why the UI is worthless. Well, that's the name of the topic. I didn't make that up. Um, in the forums, that was the header. Uh, Thomas Lewandowski is the uh, op, and it was a long uh, forum thread. A lot of people had an opinion. They wanted to express it. This was after the weekend where they had the website blackout where you could not enter a race or anything in the website. And so everyone, you know, picked this one thread to kind of give the feedback in it seems. And, um, I spent about 40 minutes reading, you know, many, many pages of it just to get a feel. I, I, I didn't really participate. I just wanted to see what other people were saying. And I would say it's, 90 10 maybe 80 20 in that range of people you know dislike to like uh what's happened and after reading all the 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 forum posts the one that stuck out that was the best way to describe the issue was this and i'm going to read it it said quote what i read from this thread is there's a group of old timers who have their entire process tailored to work with the idiosyncrasies of the web browser and those processes don't, processes don't work with the UI at all. Therefore, it is worse. Then there's a group of newer users who tailored their processes to work with the idiosyncrasies of the new UI and therefore don't see what the problem is. I don't think it's just idiosyncrasies. Yeah, I can click. I have it down to just a few clicks, but I just went to see if they had fixed it yet or not. On hosted races, uh, 
you cannot tell if it's just a race or a practice session. Still, see that's a that's a that's a deal killer for me right there. I you know I don't want to join a practice. How do I know? But but I digress. I mean, uh, but but this uh, this person who left this comment is correct. I mean, a lot of the newer people that commented in favor of the beta UI. Um, are people that came on recently that just used the UI from, you know, day one kind of thing, and they don't know about the website really. And so they don't really, they, you know, they never had to, you know, figure out their process with the website and get it down to three clicks to enter a race or whatever it is, um, like I have or like other people have. And so that's kind of really where it's at now. It kind of grew from there. there. I found a video as well on YouTube from uh, this guy that said, iRacing removes race registration from website was the title of the YouTube. And he, this is the Area 51 Alien Factory uh, YouTube channel. Uh, he goes on to describe, you know, what happened over the weekend. And, you know, he had teammates that had trouble getting in and didn't like it. And he, he, he reported what people on his team thought. And then he went on and gave a tour of the new UI uh, to try to teach people, you know, that might be uh, new to it or trying to convert from the website. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like a lesson and it wasn't too bad of a video. And then uh, there did, did you didn't talk about Greg Hill's response yet, have you? Well, that's the f next one. And this is really good news. I mean, on, uh, honestly, something I've been calling for for quite some time. Um, so let's look at what he had to say. So the release of the new UI had a real technical urgency behind it. The website was built around tech that didn't scale well once iRacing started taking off. I'm just reading parts of this. We recognize that in the big push to develop the UI and solve those technical issues to ensure the service remained up, and performing, the user experience took more of a back seat than it should have. However, thanks to that investment, the UI is solid performance-wise, and those problems are largely behind us. So over the last two years, we have been investing in building out our web UI development team so that we can more, move more quickly and with greater agility. This team has doubled in size over this period, and there's a lot of talented new faces on the team. Alongside that growth, the team has been picking away at incremental UI improvements uh, and multiple changes have shipped during this time. The UI today has come a long way from where it were when it first shipped. That said, it still isn't where we need it to be. And for the past six months, we have built and empowered a small in-house team of employee iRacers to make UI uh, user experience a priority. Uh, the team will be bolstered further with a recent hiring of a really well-respected and talented user experience designer who happens to be an iRacer. We're really excited about this addition and think he'll make a difference here. So that's what I've been asking for. We need uh, a, a respected user experience designer that has experience, that knows how these things work. It, it you know, it's a, it's a difficult job to be a, a UI designer. I mean, you go to college for that and there's lots of training and different things and you have to have experience. And, and I think the people that were doing it just weren't those people. And so it's, it's really refreshing to see they've hired in somebody who actually has those skills. It'll be interesting though, because there's a, 
there's already an, an entire architecture up there, right? That that person's going to have to work within now. So, but you know, overall there actually, there is a lot of good stuff in there. It's just, there's still too many things that you can't get on there that, that you need to. So I, I hope they can address that. If, and, and then I might convert over. Right. We'll see. Well, let me ask you this after the weekend was over, how did you launch your sessions? I was right back on the website. By the time I got up, was it, it was this last Saturday, wasn't it? It was a weekend, yeah. Yeah. By the time I got up after uh, playing the show and got back from the gym, it had already switched back over to the website. Yeah, I, I tried to get in Friday night, um, and it took me a little bit of clicking around, and I think I had to start typing the word NASCAR to find the series, and it wasn't three clicks, that's for sure. Well, a good sign, Brian, that we've gone full mainstream with sim racing is when you start seeing sim rigs on the prices, right? Yeah, that's right. This this showcase showdown could be yours. Uh, all you have to do is uh, get on the price at, prices right, and apparently, uh, yeah, they uh, are having sim rigs on there, uh, including uh, this was this was geared toward console, but it came with the Xbox X series and Forza Five. But yeah, so uh, so uh, sim racing made its appearance on the prices right. Um, can't tell exactly what um, GT Omega what maybe rig. is it. Yeah, I think it uh, is. Yeah, it's yeah. It, that's the right. Thrustmaster pedals on there, right? Or or Logitech. It's definitely one yeah, of those two. Probably places. thrust. The wheel looks like Logitech or Thrustmaster. Yeah, I think so. Yes. But yeah, but that's pretty cool. Yeah, we should um, we should uh, st- we should start doing a prices right contest when we post a rig on the show and just have it running live for the show. You have know it, what? This is ever, this ever, is ever, that ever one rig bid, bid. This is the one rig that I rated the worst ever. Look at where the monitor is. It's straight up from the back of the pedals, like it's not even close to the wheel. I think I vaguely remember that. Yeah, it's definitely a low end um, for sure. <laughs> which, which is kind of funny because we would know about how much that costs, right? Probably with the with the wheel and the monitor and and the rig. It, that's probably, Eight, about, probably about a, between eight hundred to a grand. Yeah, Eight, I'd probably yeah. go over, but. I take the uh, Pac-Man, table Pac-Man that's sitting there next to it over that. It's not a bad looking seat, though. I have to give it that. The seat looks okay. The seat is for the best part of it, yeah. Well, that is a Sparco seat, isn't it? I can't, no, it's, I can't it's got the it same uh, GT Omega brand on it. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, bucket seats are, are pretty nice, but the rigging's going to be pretty lightweight, and yeah, the monitor position's pretty rough. So our boy Tony Rochette found this during his mandatory vacation from getting his chicken wing repaired. Uh, good job, Tony, on uh, being our scout reporter out there uh, holding up the couch. Yeah, this picture is probably actually his TV, isn't it? Yeah, he just snapped the picture of his TV and sent it, and I thought it'd be a good story. All right, next yeah, we have a you video. Know, you, Sorry. You, know you're, you know you're missing a lot of work when you're watching the uh, prices, right? Your day is not very fulfilling. Yeah, no kidding. Well, I mean, what, what else can you do when, when you can't get on the rig yet because you're, you can't move your arm? 
So uh, we got a question. Best pit stop ever. And Alex Horn, he's posted iRacing on the iRacing Twitter. The driver hero, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to read this slowly. Hiroyaki Segaguchi pulling off what might be the best pit stop ever. Go with Hiroki. Hiri. I thought I had it, but I screwed it up. So, IndyCar in Texas, he actually hits the the wall in the trioval, spins down through the grass, does a 360, and somehow magically just lands in his pit box perfectly. All four tires exactly where they are. His guys run around, do the stop. Perfect. I wonder if he ended up having required repairs. It, it doesn't show. Maybe it was faster repair, huh? but nice. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. That is pretty. That is definitely the the best pit stop ever. You wouldn't be able to tell, I guess, if he had had required repairs because he's going to have a penalty too. He's going to have about a forty second penalty. Yeah, that um, we got to be seeing that on an iRacing top ten. Yeah, yeah, you're right. We've seen other videos where they've done crazy stuff like this, but um, sometimes they look almost like staged, almost practice. Like I want to see if I can do this crazy pit entrance. This there was no way this was uh, you know staged or, or practiced or anything. This was just sheer luck that he just ended up right in this pit stop. Oh yeah. Def- definite, legitimately immaculate uh, accident. So we have the iRacers at Richmond in Xfinity. Uh, iRacing did notice that the uh, Xfinity race this past weekend, that there were a lot of avid iRacers on track at Richmond Raceway, which was awesome to see them chasing their passes. Heck yeah. I mean, Parker Retzlaff, he was as high as seventh at one point. And, you know, a legit top 10 car. I don't know if where he finished. I don't think he got a top 10, but man, he was running good. And then he had Raja Karuth out there as well. Um, you know, a long time coming for him to get a NASCAR Xfinity start. You know, he's been kind of been groomed for this for quite some time. And, uh, he had a good run as well, but uh, pretty neat to see those guys out there. Yeah, it's extra exciting when you've actually gotten to be on the track with them quite a few times, right? And you kind of get to see them start to really have the ex- success. Um, yeah, so that's pretty exciting. You know, and Parker's in like an unknown, I want to say an unknown team. Well, some lesser team than, you know, you would normally see up front. So that makes it even that more impressive, you know. All right, the next one is, do we have a new track rumor? Because they announced F1 is coming to Vegas. And uh, I was thinking, does this mean iRacing needs to be, uh, you know, thinking about, hey, maybe we can scan this, you know, when they come and, you know, figure out how to get this in iRacing. Maybe they've already been contacted to make mock up a track as far as we know. Who knows? But it didn't take long for uh, a guy on YouTube to come up with a track. And this this video is something else. Uh, you know, basically, he, uh, you know, he, he shows the layout, you know, from above. And, and they talk about the track and, you know, the various corners and kind of some of the detail about, you know, what's going to make it interesting. Yeah, this all came out right around... April Fools too, right? And so we're all thinking, nah. But it seems to be keeping the momentum up on this rumor. We have, oh, we have another thing that we thought was that just a rumor as well, or or an April Fools joke. 
the iRacing the console, yeah, that was announced on uh, April Fool's Day as well by from Adam Stern. Now, the first thing I looked at, did I get slurned, which has happened before? You know, there's a there's an Adam Slurn out there will, that will put out fake racing rumors. Uh, but no, this is the real guy. He's got the blue check mark. Uh, he said, World of Outlaws is working with iRacing and Monster Game Studio on its first new console video game in years, per a source, with a fall 2022 release set for Xbox and PlayStation. It's been confirmed uh, after April 1st by iRacing. They put out an uh, article on their website. Uh, as well, uh, confirming it. Um, Steve Myers, he tweeted, he said, we have put a lot of effort into the car dynamics and it is a ton of fun. We put the same vehicle dynamics engineer that built all the dirt cars on iRacing on this project. World of Outlaws console game for Xbox and PlayStation launching in fall 2022. Yeah, that's uh, really cool news. Um, Cause uh Last time I remember, like a sprint car game. I think Tony Stewart had one, but I think that was on PC. Um, last console one that I was aware of was like uh, like the Ratbags uh, sprint car games from I don't know ten years ago, maybe. Um, and they were a lot of fun, but the technology has come a long way since then. Um, and with the help of iRacing and, and the data that iRacing has, um, you know, they I can really make this a, a decent, a really solid game if they really want to. Yeah, you know, I think it's unknown how many cars and tracks um, is it. You you know, is it all of them? Is it just the ones that are specific to World of Outlaws? I guess they all are. I don't know. Now, the the next thing as we, we continue on this coverage is there was a little bit of um, backlash almost in the forum saying, hey, why isn't Dirt on iRacing getting any love? Why is this guy working on the console, right? That's right. There was a, another forum thread, and I don't have it in the notes, I think. Uh, maybe I do. But it was basically saying that dirt needs fixed. Um, there were several dirt racers saying there's a problem with the dirt in general. Um, there are several different things that need to be addressed with the tire and, and different things that need to feeling ignored for quite some time kind of thing. And so... So the thread started on April 1st when Adam Stern announced, right, before iRacing confirmed anything. And basically, the people in the thread were saying, man, I'm going to be pissed if I find out iRacing has been not, you know, helping us with our stuff and they've been working on this console thing the whole time. And then sure enough, that's what comes out, which Steve Meyer said directly, is their main engineer who does the dirt He's been reassigned to the console game to put this thing together. And so, yeah, uh, it rubbed the, some people the wrong way for sure. We did get a response from the staff, though. Tony Gard Gardner chimed up uh, on April 6th um, that they do have plans to update the tire model. They're going to do IA for the dirt. They're going to work more on the surface model. Uh, as well as the physics and driving, basically a lot of things that are on there. He says that the dirt does add different challenges and spe and the special engineering projects are substantial work. Um, and the, but they still do it, con consider it a priority and they thank, they thank everybody for the tips and, and comments and patience and are going to be uh, investing heavily into the dirt racing. 
Yeah. So yeah, Tony Gardner came in to kind of calm the calm them down. Hey, we're still with you, you know, in iRacing, you know, we're still working on it. We're, we're still heavily invested, et cetera, et cetera. So that's good to hear from him and, and, uh, and Greg Hill, uh, you know, when they were talking about the UI. So all these kind of, all these topics were really in that same thread. It was the UI. They were talking about the dirt because that got announced and uh, yeah. So I remember being pretty excited about this Skip Barbula formula prize that comes out. Uh, Brian, you want to tell us about the current results? Yeah, so uh, last weekend was round number three of uh, the uh, Skip Barber Formula Series. Um, I call it the Golden Ticket Series because you win it and you get a ride in a real Skip Barber car. So there's your Golden Ticket right there. Um, So uh, this uh, race three was held at Watkins Glen, which is a really fun track in the Skip Barber cars. um, you know, it's a little underpowered for you know, like the long straights on the backside coming up towards the um, the bus stop, but still a really fun car to uh, track to race those on. Um, so it was uh, two separate winners uh, on Sunday's race. Nicholas Mateo won the uh, the sprint race, and then Matt Adams he uh, wound up winning the uh, the main feature. So congratulations to those two guys. Um, they're moving, making one more step closer to that golden ticket and, and the full ride. Uh, next week is going to be Laguna Seca, which is a uh, that's going to be an interesting track for these cars. Um, so uh, yeah, keep an eye out. It comes up this weekend, and then we'll keep moving forward. See who gets that that uh, big prize. Next up, we have the uh, patch note. Let's pull those up. Uh, the big thing was Bristol Motor Speedway has a new track configuration, Dirt. Uh, so what they did is they renamed the old one Dirt 2021, and now we have Dirt, uh, I guess a second Dirt. And from what I understand, the this year when they've gone to Bristol, they've reconfigured the banking a bit different on the dirt and that's why there's really two different versions because they're so different from each other so they can have different surface or different dirt parameters but they don't have to do an entirely different track i guess since it's still the the same base under the dirt well one of the replies i saw on twitter to the release notes somebody's like said something like well we can't have the old watkins Glen and the new watkins Glen, but we can have two bristol dirts you know doesn't make any sense so they did, it looks like they've adjusted the um, must-use multiple tire compounds for any uh, series that use that. bunch of AI stuff. Little things. One AI thing that caught my eye was AI drivers have improved. Oh, no, not, not that one. Fixed an issue where CPU demand of AI drivers running the F1 Mercedes car was inordinately high. So something on the next gen here. What was the next gen? Uh, they've changed some cooling and aerodynamic parameters while running for du- while running the dirt oval tracks. Uh, models and textures are optimized for the camera changes in these cars for better frame rates, and then some artistic stuff. Yeah, you know, some of the shows that I usually listen to were wondering if they were going to have the actually run the diffuser on the dirt track. By the way, when are we going to stop calling it next gen? Are we going to call that next gen forever? Well, you know, the COT is all is still the COT, even though it's like two generations old now. Yeah, I guess you're so, right. 
Yeah. All right, let's talk. Uh, it seems like we're talking uh, Dale Jr. download almost every week on this podcast. Yep, I was able to get through the show. Uh, they had uh, Wickens on there, Robert Wickens, and um, we've talked about him. We've covered him quite a bit. I've uh, had a really severe Indy crash, Indy car crash. It was at Pocono. Yep. And is paralyzed. And he's now racing uh, with hand controls. But I mean, they didn't just talk about that. It was a, it was a, one of the longer shows really went in depth about, uh, about a lot of things, including the road to recovery. They, they covered his whole early career as well. So it's a good show, but he does throw some credit out to iRacing. Yeah, he basically said that he learned muscle memory of how to brake and throttle with his hands with doing the iRacing by jumping into that iRacing. So you remember when NASCAR uh, and COVID and all that started and NASCAR started running iRacing uh, when they stopped going to the track, um, right after that is when Robert Wickens jumped into iRacing too. And he was running with those guys, you know, running with those IMSA guys and doing all kinds of racing. And he was learning those hand controls. And he, he talked about some of the challenges of, of learning it, getting used to it, getting that muscle memory. He talked about some of his current races where he struggles to get the right, you know, brake pressure that he needs to be competitive in the hand uh, mechanism he's using. So um, very fascinating and uh, pretty neat to hear that. The hand mechanism that they use now actually has to physically manipulate the pedals because he has a teammate. He's running in the Michelin Michelin pilot series now in, in is it a Hyundai? I think a Hyundai Elantra. Um, And so, yeah, he can't just have something that digitally works for him. It, It still has to actually physically move the pedals because his other driver races with feet. Uh, he did also mention that not only did it let him train up the, the, the skills of hand driving, it let him proof that it could be done before he got in a real car. Which maybe helped him get the ride, you know, like if, if he, like if he didn't have that in, in his pocket, you know, when he's talking to these teams and stuff, you know, would they even have given him the chance, you know? Well, it's events time, right? We got uh, the Nuremberg 24 hour coming up. Yeah. This that's uh tomorrow, uh, this weekend. Yeah. This is when I, I will, I will try to never run. I tried to learn it a couple of years ago and it's just not, it's hard, so hard to memorize. Uh, it's running this weekend. It's the, the usual t- standard time slots slots that I think, uh, I racing has determined run really forward. Um, an interesting note that slot, time slots one and three are going to have the registration forwarding, meaning that you have to register through the UI. So I think they're currently only applying this for uh, big races at, at the moment. The the whole don't use the website thing. You got to have a D four license. It's the sim date is starting at three thirteen on May twenty eighth. Uh, t- this is interesting. Only a twenty minute warm up. Uh, the qualifying is attached 25 minutes for two laps. And it's uh, the cars are a few of the GT3s as well as the uh, Porsche 911, which is actually the 992 GT4, and a couple of the touring cars are in there. Yeah, I don't think anybody on our team's running that. Nope. 
Okay, next is the Majors 24 hour 24 hours at Le Mans. Uh, very happy to announce the Majors 24 is back. In 2021, we welcomed over 400 teams in eight splits. This year, we hope to have 500 teams. It'll be June 4th, and Le Mans, of course, cars, uh, Porsche 919 LMP, uh, Audi LMP, Dallara P217 LMP2, Corvette C8, Ferrari uh, 488 GTE, the Ford GTE, the Porsche 911, uh, BMW M8. Yep, and they're going, instead of just the top split being broadcast and having live costumes, I think they're bringing it up to the top four splits. Um which is exciting, but I don't I don't see having any chance of getting into one of those splits because it's actually based on qualifying time. We're gonna have full course cautions in the top four splits too. That's uh yeah. that'll be interesting. Yep. I don't know if they're using the same software this year or not. Uh, but I, it definitely just makes the road course racing online a little bit more interesting. So that's one thing I hope iRacing can eventually implement some different ways to to handle uh, in race cautions. Continuing on the uh, events, Brian, we've got the Bristol doubleheader coming up. Yeah, some we talked about a couple of times, but we just want to keep you guys uh, plugged in here. So if you love you know, Bristol racing, um, this is held by uh, um, RonMorrisRacing.com. Go to ronmorrisracing.com and you get the details. Um, it's the race where they're running a separate trucks race and a cup race. The trucks was a fixed setup under 2,500 IR um, to be in that race. And then uh, there's a uh, the cup race. The cup cars are racing um, with a setup that's open. And uh, there's uh, some uh, cash payout on this bad boy. Um, uh, 500 to win the cup race, um, $15 to entry, uh, or uh, sorry, 500 to win the truck race, and 1000 to win the cup cup race. So uh, some pretty decent money, $15 to enter on the trucks, 25 to enter on the cup cars. Um, so yeah, so check that out. It's gonna it's a fairly big money race, so I imagine you'll see some names in there that uh, that you might recognize. We want to take a break from the show for a moment to tell you about our sponsor, Sim Coaches. Months ago, I made the switch to Sim Coaches from Load Cell Pedals. I can tell you from the experience, the difference is huge. I'm able to brake deeper than my competition and be smoother on the power exiting the corner. They have helped me a ton. Right now, for a limited time, Sim Coaches is offering our audience 10% off your order. You can't find a better deal anywhere else. Use code iRacers Lounge at checkout. Head over to the simcoaches.com website and get yours now. Podcast Housekeeping Aftermath Podcast. Go get it. Uh, don't forget to subscribe and our website. Check it out, iRacersLounge.com, for the show notes. We are also in regular rotation at the Performance Motorsports Network. All right, Brian, it looks like it's your turn to tell us about the Fantasy Weekend. Yeah, guys, so uh, we were at Richmond Raceway, obviously, in the Cup Cars this past weekend. 
taking the top spot for uh, the the race was uh, Scotty Boy. Um, congratulations, Scotty Boy. 240 points. That's a big one. Mean Machine, 38 second. Smiling Ninja comes in in a, in a third. Uh, let's see. I don't see too many... Uh, <laughs> too many of the Tafosi guys in the top 15, guys. I don't know what happened there. I forgot to pick myself. Tyler finished 13th. Uh, Chris Gales is 15th. I think those look like the... Yeah, those are the top two Tafosi guys. So, not representing too good this week in Team Tafosi, but uh, I'm glad uh, everybody else who's in there is having a good time. We might need to rename the, uh, the league, the Remember Your Picks League. Yeah, I actually remembered my picks, and I actually put a little bit of time in it, and I still finished 22nd, so there you go. That uh, goes to show you I might as well just let it ride for a couple weeks. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. Mike, Uh, we have been seeing you drop uh, some new posts of uh, uh, some hardware that you're doing yourself, actually. Yeah, we got a new project going. I've made a decision to do a do-it-yourself win simulator. I found a video from Will Ford on Boosted Media on how to do it. It looks super simple. He even provided links to all the parts to Amazon. So I basically clicked the links, bought everything. Uh, A couple things were, now this video is two years old, one of the motor control boards was old uh, and not available, but there was an updated version of it. So it looked the same and I ordered it, but it has pins not installed into the circuit board. And the one that, you know, Will Ford used on his video had it pre-installed. So now I'm stuck with trying to figure out how to solder these pins onto this board. And my eyesight isn't really good to see the tiny, 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 you know, soldering. And so I'm trying to figure out how to do this and not mess it up. So that's kind of where I'm at. I have most of the parts. Uh, My buddy Kyle on our team, he's printed um, the converter from the fan to the three-inch hose, a five-inch to a three-inch. He's also printed a small box that the electronics will sit in. And he's actually already mailed me those, and I'll probably get them in the next couple of days. Uh, thanks, Kyle. Um, but I have everything I need to do dual fans with uh, hoses. I got to figure out where I'm going to put the hoses, how I'm going to mount them. And so it's an ongoing project. I'm not trying to rush it, but the soldering is uh, the next big hurdle to get over. You just need to get yourself like, you know, a jeweler's uh magnifying uh, glass type of deal where you can get in there real tight and look at it. Um, it's not that hard, I don't think. Um, you should be able to handle mine. Well, that's what I was thinking. I'm going to order me a magnifying glass that uh, has a light built into it, like a circle, and it's on a big arm and with a, a thing that attaches to the desk, and you can kind of get that thing in there in front of your face and and uh, magnify it. So I think I'm ordering that after the podcast uh, Like, and and we'll try to do it myself. I also thought I'd get my son to try it. Um, he's got better eyesight. Now, I don't know if he can solder, but he might be able to see it. <laughs> so um, just curious, did you add up all the pieces that you uh, put into it? You know, get a rough, rough estimate how much uh, this is going to uh, cost you to put in? Basically about 200 is what I've spent so far. And, um, 
but I actually ordered, you know, it was funny. I clicked the link for the fan that will, will put posted and I, I, I'm like, I need two fans. So I hit quantity two and I hit add to cart. I didn't even think of even looking at it, but apparently it had two fans in, the, in one box or in a package. So I actually ordered four fans. And so I have two, too many. I don't, I guess I'm going to return them to Amazon. I don't know, but it sounds like you got hosed. Yeah. Ah. The hoses look cool and they got some really nice shiny blue metal on the end. Uh, which will match the blue accents I have, so it's, I'm I'm pretty excited about it. So um, I'm assuming these run through SimHub. Is that how you're going to um, operate? Yeah, yeah. SimHub. Uh, will has uh, shows in SimHub where there's a, a section for Arduino. You have to go in there and flip some switches, and then you, there's a win. You know, you make a thing for WinSim, and you have to do. Yeah, the the, the software runs it. He gives all the instructions on it, so it looks pretty easy. I like this solution because the other solution by the other company, they have their own proprietary software um, and they didn't have hoses. I want to get the fans away from me so I don't hear them and just, and then get the hoses up to, to me. And I think that's a real clever idea. Um, and that's kind of how mine is. I have those corrugated hoses that flex and stretch. Um, but um, I, I, I don't know how much it helps with the, with the um, the noise, as as the wind is blowing through those corrugated hoses, it kind of makes like a howling sound. <laughs> it's a uh, it's not real loud, but you can hear the you can hear it, you know, at the air passing through those corrugations, and it kind of makes a little howl. But it's it's not it's not uh, dreadful. Um, I think the fans, for the most part, the fans are fairly quiet. Now, if you're yeah. running in a stock car, will it actually rev up the fans, or will it only rev up the stock or rev up the fans if you're in an open wheel car, open cockpit? No, you set it for both, but it's based on mile per hour. Like, but like you don't get it started. Like you only do like one percent fan after maybe twenty five or thirty mile per hour. So if you're below twenty five or thirty, it, it, there's nothing. But as as you go faster, it, it ramps up you know, to a hundred percent. You know, what I'm saying is that's, that's actually not realistic if you're in a stock car. Yeah. But I'm no, I don't know if I'm looking for realistic. I'm looking for, I live in Phoenix and it's going to be 115 degrees. While I'm racing. <laughs> Good point. I'm just going to just put, I want to just put a fan next to me. <laughs> well, and the other question is, Bobby brought up a good point. Man, just instead of putting it in SimHub and doing the mile per hour, maybe just have it on a, a knob if you can. You know, zero to 100, uh, you know, you turn a knob on your button box and you just turn it up and down as you need, as needed. Yeah. Very that's, fancy that's cool. I do like it. It's, it's pretty cool. Mine runs through SimHub and it does have that curve that you can do for speed, the speed curve. You can add that to it. And on SimHub, you can um, individually control the left side and right side individually, which is pretty cool too. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's, that's all neat stuff. My, mine are turned off for the winter because it'll freeze my hand. I won't be able to feel my hands after a little while. So, uh, it's, so hopefully it'll start warming up soon enough that I can actually start using mine again. When you do run, though, do you go ahead and turn a, use it with the stock cars? Yeah, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> I mean, I don't do, I don't do anything one hundred percent realistic, too. But uh, it's a, uh, I just thought about that. You know, you don't really get wind inside a 
inside of one of those cockpits, unless you want to put on a helmet and get and get the cool device and all of that. There you go. There you go. Yeah. There's, a, there's an idea. You know, like you said, I don't know if I want it blowing on my hands. You know, like I was thinking maybe I want the hose coming way over here under the left monitor or maybe way over here under the right, coming in at a, you know, a sharp angle on either side uh, instead of from the front. So I'm kind of debating, like, where do I put them or maybe do I put them up above, you know, pointing down at my head. And they, the Sim Hub will support up to four separate fans, too. You can actually do a four fan setup. I've seen that before. Some people have it coming up from underneath. Um, that's pretty neat. I'm kind of stuck in the position where mine are because uh, the mounting bracket mounts to my direct drive base. So the, the, the tubes from the fan are just like right right next to the uh, steering wheel. So we'll see how this goes. Kyle is committed to uh, doing it. He bought all the parts yesterday. Greg is also in our thread and he's, thinking about doing it, but I don't think Greg has actually bought the parts. Um, but yeah. You can sell them your fans. There you go. To ship it to Canada, it probably costs more than the fans cost. All right. This next item that we're looking at, it looks like uh, it's cut out of wood, right? Uh, Ringmakers is selling a set of plans for an F1 style uh, monococcu. I, 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 monocoque. Sorry. Monocoque. Okay, is that actually how it's pronounced? Uh, on their Etsy store for 34 bucks, And it looks like it takes a lot of wood. It does. It's pretty cool, though. Really does, cool looking, though. It does say on the website that the production cost is of roughly 250 euros. You can remove the halo. <laughs> That's good. Because if I'm racing a Formula One car, you know, you would have the halo in front of you and the halo on the screen. It'd be like a double halo. And uh, I don't know if I'd like that. Well, you can turn the halo off on the screen as well. But okay. If you're, well, if you're you in go. a VR, you don't really need the halo either. Correct. Or what, yes. Or what if you're, you know, in a stock car? <laughs> the production cost about 250 euros. Um, yeah, you just cut it up and boom, you're in business. Now, the other pictures they show, they have it red and black and it kind of gets that Ferrari look and that looks kind of cool. Yeah, it's in the F1 seated position. So, so if you like that, this is a this looks nice and um, I'm sure our DIY expert Groves would approve of the price. This is, um, it's not too terrible on the production cost. I always um, concern like, when you build these wood rigs like this, how comfortable the seating is for it. You know, you're not putting a cushioned seat in there. Uh, is, are you just sitting right on the wood or you got to like make some kind of cushions on your own? Uh, uh, that's probably, that, that's probably in the plans and the cost that you would have to in, in, add, add cushioning pillowing of some type. I, would, I don't think the, you'd be sitting on wood. We'd be raiding the backyard furniture and grabbing all the cushions off the, the, the lounge so, lounges out there. So yeah, that would be a wonderful uh, duality there. You have this nice, fresh uh, black and red, sharp looking Ferrari like look. And then you got some tan uh, sun faded pillow sitting in the seat. My next question is how do you get in and out? Um, Cause it's completely enclosed around you all the way around. Are you, are you right. climbing up on top of it and dropping in? Must be. It's Doesn't pretty look neat comfortable. The, yeah, it's pretty neat, and, and the you know, and the builder in me likes is intrigued by the challenge of building something like that. But 
But um, yeah, I don't know if I would do that, but it's pretty cool. Yeah, time is money unless you get the entertainment out of uh, out of the time. Correct. Yeah. Now this next one, this is looking interesting. We got a Yaw VR two. Yeah, yeah, this is the Yaw VR two. Um, so, if you remember, like about a year or so ago, we did the original Yaw VR, which um, looked like you were sitting on a saucer, and it, um, you know, you had your feet laid out and the, and the wheel in front of you, and uh, it lets you do um, the Yaw, you know, the twisting motion. Um, within your uh, racing sim. Um, it's really it's really only made for VR because you would be able to put a monitor in front of it uh, because you'd be spinning all around. You couldn't see, you wouldn't be able to see the monitor. But um, so then now they've come up with a, a new version, the Yaw VR2, which doesn't look so uh, like you're, you're sliding on one of those saucers down a, uh, down a snow hill. Um, it looks a little bit more, um, it looks a little more sleek and uh, modern looking. Um, but yeah, so I've heard some, uh, some stuff about the first yard that y'all VR, that it was a pretty cool, pretty cool to ride. It was a fun experience. And, uh, this one looks, I imagine it does basically the same thing as far as, uh, the motion, but, uh, it just looks a lot cooler. It doesn't look as nerdy. Where would the base go though? The well, if you look at the video, um, there's a video link, um, to a Facebook video, you'll see they can install a base across the arm rest, basically, and you can mount a wheel base to that. And it shows some guy driving it. And as he turns it left and right, the thing goes drastically left and right. Like it's too much, but interesting. Um, but yeah, the, it's available. Um, this, the new yaw two. um, they have a standard pro and arcade edition, uh, they are on pre-order. Yeah, pretty and uh, pretty expensive too. Um, I mean, the the arcade version is uh, runs from between twenty seven and thirty seven hundred dollars. So, uh, yeah, so it's not it's not that inexpensive. And it, you know, is this going to work with a, a direct drive? I don't I don't think so. Um, nope. It's not going to work with like really great pedals either. Uh, or a maybe, shifter. Maybe you can figure something out, but it seems more novelty arcadey, like if you ask me. But um, flight simulator might be really good on this. They're also only two DOF, three DOF, so you're you're not really. Are you going to get a braking feel and a and a an acceleration feel at all? No, probably not. I think you just get rotational yaw. Um, the rotation is the big thing this has. Right. It'll rotate and it'll it'll roll, basically. It'll yaw and it'll roll, but it doesn't have. I don't think it has pitch, or maybe the maybe the three D O F version does. Okay, the next one is a next level racing E R S one seat, a new offering from Next Level Racing. They've introduced their reclining seat, and it's pretty nice. It looks very comfortable, kind of a black. Uh, a black look to it, um, real open around the shoulders, not real confining. Um, the big thing is it tilts. It tilts all the way down. You can lay down, take a nap, tilt it back, uh, adjust that angle. Um, and it's got a very rigid locking mechanism on both sides. So there's no play, uh, even though it is uh, adjustable. 
That's kind of kind of funny that you could actually kick back and take a nap. I guess that could be handy in the endurance races when you're uh, when you need to be kind of on call, but you can just kind of lay back and close your eyes and listen for somebody screaming if you need to jump in the car. My original Obato Revolution cockpit had a reclining seat as well, um, but it eventually broke where, and that was one of the reasons I wanted a new uh, rig was. One side, the left side would kind of lean back just a little bit because the mechanism broke where it reclines. The right side would catch, but the left side wouldn't. And so the, I had a little play in the seat and it drove me crazy. You know, sitting fatigue uh, was an issue back when I raced in, in the office chair, but in the bucket seat that's kind of gone away. I wonder if it could be even improved better if you can change the incline occasionally just to, to get yourself in a slightly different position if you're starting to get tired from sitting in just one position? I was kind of concerned buying my NRG seat that you can't adjust the incline. You know, it's, it's solid piece. Um, but I feel like it's at the right angle where I don't really need to. So I'm, I'm okay with it. But this yeah. seat is uh, 400 bucks. Um, and, you know, if I was buy, still, you know, in the market for a seat, you know, would I want this one? I don't know. Maybe. It, I kind of like the one I have better. but It looks like it would work just fine as, as, as a GT-style seat, which is what most of us sit in now. Now, that was one drawback when I was deciding about should I be, uh, when I, you know, which rig to buy, and I was looking at next level racing really hard. Um, I didn't like the seat that they offered with that rig. It was like more of a plasticky bucket kind of seat um and if they had this seat on that rig at that time that might have pushed me to to buy it a little bit more because that was the one thing i didn't like a lot about this that rig was the seat but this one looks really good like you said looks very functional now there i mean did the rig have to come with that seat or did you just, you were, it was a separate purchase, okay. but that's what they had available, you know? Cause I would have gone, I mean, I had to go separately with my seat because Sim, uh, P1, Sim Labs coming from Germany, they won't ship a seat across the seas. So you had to buy a, your seat local. So I got mine from Jegs. Looks pretty neat. Hey, Brian, have you taken a look at this uh, next company review? It's a couple of Sim projects. Um, they, they, um, they have uh, button boxes. They have, um, they have uh, instrument gauges. Um, a lot High of flag. Cool stuff have. And they have the flags. I think, uh, yeah, I think the cool one for me that they have is the uh, the gauges, the analog gauges that like you would find in a race car. You know, they they sell those like ready to plug into a computer. I mean. They're really cool. Yeah, that, that one that is a is attack with the with the peak set set one and set two. Um, would that be for setting your shift points or trying to set your RPM lights for uh, pitting? I think that's to set the lights, if I'm not mistaken. But I mean, he's got a the tachometer. He's got a speedometer. He's got a, a simple tachometer. Uh, and then there's oil pressure gauge and all kinds of stuff. He's got fuel indicator, like a proper fuel gauge. Uh, I haven't seen that before. 
and and not too expensive. I mean, the nice tack that you were talking about, sixty nine fifty pounds. This is uh, Great Britain, I believe. A lot of actual circuit board hardware type stuff too, like um, joystick controllers and different things that you can uh, basically, I guess, directly interface with the PC. Well, uh, he does have a fan controller board, which I need to look at closely. Maybe it is a solution where I don't have to solder. Um, so I'll be looking at this website again. Uh, this is pretty interesting too. The Pro Gauge is actually just a, a circuit board that allows you to interface with real gauges, like proper car parts. Right. So you go to the auto parts store, get whatever you want, and then use this to interface it. This is a neat company for sure, especially if you like a, a lot of the custom display stuff. It's something that VR user is not going to go for. But when you're when you're decking out the triples, you might like it. Yeah, you could you could basically just build a uh, a whole dashboard, you know, from scratch with with real analog gauges, um, which would be look, look really cool. And uh, some of those guys who go out there and try to basically recreate a, a stock car or something like that. And uh, they want these kind of gauges in there. Um, that's that's what you want to look for when you're doing that. Would you like having a, an actual half-body uh, uh, stock car rig where you have to climb in, kind of like you were talking about with that with that F1 rig? Maybe if it's got the right look. You know, Maybe not I like more. those. Uh, I'm still fascinated by having window netting. I don't know why, but like have an actual window net. You know from here to over here <laughs> if you do that you have to put your camera back on the stream and every time you wreck <laughs> you have to drop the window net <laughs> i saw a rig the other day on on my phone on some app i don't know some social media where the guy had a triple setup like i do but he's got you know a surround sound system and his rear speakers are basically just on a stick, you know, on a floor stand and he's got them, you know, behind him on each corner, but he also has window net hooked to that floor stand that runs from the speaker stand, you know, down to the corner of his rig on either side. And he just moves the stand out of the way when he needs to get in the car and he moves the stand back to make it feel like the windows closed and, and it looks effective and pretty cool. I mean, uh, it was a neat touch. Well, uh, Mike, have you checked out the review for the RTX, RTX 3090 Ti? I have. I've seen uh, uh, TechSpot uh, has got a, a review. They call it an unremarkable review of the 3090 Ti. And I think, I think the part of that is... It's not a big upgrade over the 3090. Uh, it's not that big step up that you would expect for that extra money. It's a little step up, but not a big one. Uh, he called it fast and dumb. Sounds like how I drive. <laughs> uh, so anyway, the, he says you can now get the 3090 starting at 1900, which is still 30% over MSRP. But what about this 3090 Ti? Um, would a Ti version packing 2.5% more cores, clock 10% higher with 8% more memory bandwidth be useful to anyone? I guess that depends on the price, but of course not. It's replacing the original version at 1500. 
another thing they mention in this article is uh, that it's a power hog. It's uh, requires it, it pulls four hundred fifty watts. So, um, which is thirty percent more than thirty ninety. Exactly. And I'm so, looking at the benchmark scores. You know, you're talking like two or three frames per second in most of the tests that you're doing. I think we got a title idea: fast and dumb. There you go. We can just go ahead and start doing the title ideas live. <laughs> no, I don't think any of us will disagree with that one. And so, like, uh, like the high end 38 Ti uh, on, let's say, Far Cry 6, the benchmark is 85 uh, frames per second. Like the 3080 Ti is 80 frames per second. So you're losing five frames frames per second on something like that, or what? You know, eight hundred dollar upgrade. Not worth it. Yeah, stay with the 3090. And that's just on the suggested value, right? That's not what it's probably going to end up actually being. Uh, it's a moving target these days, for sure. Okay. Are you a coffee drinker, Brian? Uh, no, actually, I don't like coffee at all. I like coffee ice cream, though. Does that count? But if you ask Carl Gosling, he got to try out the Hideaway Coffee Racer Beta, which is a coffee table that transforms into a race rig. Um, so yeah, so it's actually pretty cool. He, sh he does a full review on his um, YouTube page. That's for Carl Gosling. Um, you know, he shows him sitting in his couch with his foot up on the uh, on a coffee table. You take the top off, and then you can see inside the table. It's got you know, it had a uh, CSL DD with a with a wheel and uh, a CSL pedals, and you know, it basically transforms into a uh, racing rig. All the all the components kind of pull lift up and, and and pull out and get in position. Um, it's pretty pretty neat. Uh, if if you're one of those people who you know don't have any space for uh, any kind of rig, maybe or you know want to be able yeah. to hide it so the world wife doesn't yell at you, who knows? This would also be really good for the the console game on the TV, right? Because you're sitting on the couch right in front of the TV, right? This, Easy to hide. This one's real. I mean, this one's really nice. The footprint is tiny for the coffee table. It's a small coffee table. It's almost an end table. Now, there, you know, one thing I want to point out: there's no computer, there's no wires. Obviously, you have to hook that to something. But, but yeah, like you said, this would probably be more geared to a console racer uh, trying to hide their equipment. What's neat about the design, I think, is the the wheelbase is on a, a, a swivel kind of thing, and it kind of swivels up out of the box. And then you kind of put your legs through that hole and stick your legs basically into the box where the pedals are. Yeah, it's very clever design. I wonder how heavy it is. You, you can almost use it to travel, too. Uh, he did mention in the, um, the review that the, the top of it that you have to remove before you start uh, assembling it is a, is a heavy-duty uh, piece of wood. So... Um, at least that part, you know, is pretty kind of heavy. I'm thinking about, you know, like when, when you go camping or something, you could actually throw it. If you've got the space, you could throw it up there. Like, remember, uh, I think it was Junior when he took a laptop to, to race for one weekend. You know, you're right. I mean, this is not too much bigger than like a big tote crate. You know, you just throw it in the back of the truck with everything else and boom. All right, next we have a question about a graphics breakthrough technology. Um, there's a tweet 
from Aaron Lafon. Um, and it's, says, quote, pathfinding is described by NVIDIA as one of the largest breakthroughs for real-time graphics in many years. So I guess the pathfinding is the uh, title of the breakthrough. Path tracing uh, is the new thing. So remember, for the last several years, uh, ray tracing has been the, the what they call it, the marketing term for RTX, the RTX series of cards have uh, had ray tracing ever since RTX has been announced. And and so this is the next level of that. This is taking that ray tracing to the next level, the 2022 edition, as you would call it. That's kind of how I read it. Now, technically, I kind of tried to follow this and it's like way over my head. But uh, the new term is now called path tracing. Yeah, I mean, if it's any indication by some of the slideshows they have in this uh, Twitter, uh, uh, and the, the graphics are really pretty stunning. This guy does a, a, a Twitter thread that shows videos, uh, sample videos, right? Like there's a tiger walking through the jungle. Then there's a picture of somebody's kitchen with, you know, wine glasses and reflection. And different things like that, and and like you said, Brian. I mean, the, I mean, it's hard to tell what you're looking at because you're looking at a Twitter video, but I guess it's the way it's rendered, right? Yeah, like, um, did you see the picture of the water being poured into the glass? Because that one actually had a side by side comparison with the ray tracing, and uh, showed you how much more clear and and fluid uh, it looks. It's it's. It's a it's a it's the only one that has a side by side comparison, and that's a really gives you an idea of uh, of the difference in this technology. It does uh, look quite different, um, more detailed. Pretty cool. So this will be coming on what the fifty nineties, the new four thousand yeah. series coming out. Oh yeah, we we do still this will come in the forties. Cool. I think so. I think that's why they, they're talking about it. They're trying to educate, you know, the consumer base about their product. Who else is trying to educate the consumer base about their product? Well, it's this wheel that you almost bought, right? Gomez Industries with the sponsor Tony Kanan. They made an appearance at the GSI SemiCube Huskinville event held at the Micro Center store. Yeah, we got video, too, of the mob uh, watching Tony Kanon drive uh, one of the Sims. It's pretty cool. But they show, uh, you know, um, Tony interacting with the fans, uh, getting selfie pictures and whatnot. Uh, people trying the triple rig, uh, doing some racing, picking up some new Sim products. Tony does spend a lot of time in the sim. I haven't seen him in the sports cars a lot lately, I guess. Or, I mean, because I guess he's doing the Brazil thing now. Uh, but he was always real chill on the track. He didn't really uh, tout his status or anything when dealing with drivers around him. Yeah, and these Gomez wheels are in Micro Center. I, I, went to, uh, I went to a store that's about a half hour from my house. And, uh, yeah, sure enough, they're, they're there. Um, so they do carry them. It's not the Tony Kanan version. But uh, it's got their standard version there. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't see SimiCube or Huskinville there, but um, um, but apparently they're going to, they're really dipping their toes in the high end uh, sim racing equipment at Micro Center. Well, if you watch the video, it is, those are Huskinville pedals, aren't they? Yes, they are. 
I don't think I have a micro center around here. I've never seen one, so pretty cool. I don't. I think I don't know if there's one in Memphis or not. I've never really looked it up. Well, I'll tell you what. It's a. It's like a kid in a candy store walking into one of those stores. It's amazing. I mean, between the monitors and all the computer components, um, the pre-built stuff. It's. It's really well, and and I'll be and. I'll be honest with you. the The help there is very good. Um, they're not like uh, you know, they're they're very helpful. They don't have any kind of uh, you know. Sometimes people who are in a technical field can uh, can talk down to people who might not be as as educated as they are. But I, I didn't get that impression at all. Um, I actually talked about my rig with one of the guys while I was there. He showed him pictures. He was he was pretty excited about it. Um, so yeah, I had a really good experience at Micro Center, um, and uh, yeah, just walking in there, I think is a lot of fun. All right, something else I wanted to make sure you saw, Brian, was the updated Starlink map. Um, they've updated the, uh, their website that shows the current coverage area that can receive their high-speed internet. And uh, when you look at the map, I mean, it, it almost, you know, from afar, it looks like it covers most of the United States now for sure. Um, when I zoom into the Phoenix area to look at where I live, um, interestingly, the available now section is anywhere outside of the metro area. So if you don't live in a city and you're out in the boonies, guess what? You can get Starlink, but they're not offering it in the cities. Yeah, that's what they're, it looks like they're specifically avoiding. I don't know if they've got to deal with somebody or not, but, or it's just a way they're prioritizing it because um, they can only put so many dishes out right now. But yeah, if you scan around, all the metro areas uh, are on wait list and all of the basically very rural areas are, are not. It's, it's got to be the way they're prioritizing it, I think, like you said. So, that's my guess. So, Brian, hopefully you're on the available now. <laughs> well, um, yeah, I, when, when you uh, sent this link, I, I checked it out like right away. I, I zoomed in to my exact area, and it's still in the wait list section, believe it or not, it's, which, which doesn't make sense. How, how can you have all these areas that are not in coverage? It just seems weird to me that, you know, you would think it would be almost like a stripe across the globe as the satellites have a certain uh coverage area i think it's uh, in coverage it's just they don't want to sell they're not offering it to the metro areas because they don't want too many people at once they don't have enough routers and the, the main purpose of starlink is to provide internet in places that they can't get it reliably that's kind of their selling point and i, I mean you're in that boat but apparently you're close enough to somewhere where they can. You're probably too I, close to the city. Yeah. I, I, I zoom in on, I, on Paragold and I cannot get it there right, right where I live. It's not available, but up in Corning, which is really, really rural where I teach it, um, it, uh, is available. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to post a picture of where I'm at on, uh, on our Facebook messenger. So you guys can see where, where it is and, and, it's, it's definitely in the wait list area, but there's dabs of available now all around me. So it's kind of weird, but you, it might be worth in, making a phone call. You are Pennsylvania, right? I get your state right this time. Yep. Yeah. York, somewhere around York, right? Yes. Southern York County. So I, I remember that place. Lots of green trees and hills everywhere. 
All right, what else is new? The Stint Analyzer version 2.1. Uh, the guy who does Stint Analyzer, he made a change that was big enough to make a new version. Um, he has a, a videos that he made available for information about the new features. Now, I don't use the Stint Analyzer. I think, uh, Brian, uh, David, maybe you do. Yep, love it. Okay. Oh, yeah, new uh, version. Yeah, I'm trying to pull the picture up right now with, with the list of features. You can now view the main grid in a browser. Uh, meaning the other computer on your network. Okay. So you can now broadcast to other uh, pages. So you could actually like send uh stint analyzer or stuff to your streaming computer if you want. Um, or a fourth monitor or something. You can have it record session events that allows you to jump to this section in a replay by double clicking on an event. So you can find, uh, you can easily jump back to places where you have recs and stuff. Uh, some memory and, improvements and improvements to the overlays. I don't use the overlays because I already have JRT overlays working so well for me, but, uh, yeah, uh, I will download this when I get a chance. I haven't, I haven't had a chance to really test in two weeks, so I haven't opened it to see if there was an update. Oh, okay. Next up, we got the SIM pedal comparisons by SIM coaches. So Daryl over from SIM coaches, uh, was featured in a video this week showing the difference between common types of SIM pedals. And he goes over load cell versus hydraulic and what do you get? What are the different price ranges? What are the drawbacks and or advantages to each? I think he did a really thorough job of explaining, you know, different levels of pricing. You know, you got the, the 300 or less. Then you got you know, 400 to a thousand. And then you have the hydraulics, which are, you know, a thousand to 2000 kind of thing. And, and, and why would you want to pay, you know, that much for, you know, pedals and, and what are the advantages? Yeah. So really well done. Loved it. Aren't those Sims, Sim, uh, Sim coaches pedals, just beautiful. I mean, well, they, they handle great, but they, they do look great too. It's a good way to showcase them for sure when you're sitting up against some Thrustmaster pedals and uh, what are the other one? Fan some cheap Fanatec CSL pedals. But yeah, if you want to learn about the different pedals, uh, this is a great source. Yeah, we get, we got a lot of hardware we're hitting today, and we've got plenty of time for it. So Simubox has an eBay store with a variety of button boxes. This one's kind of neat. Looks kind of stream deck just stream deckish and maybe even a little Lego-ish, but uh, it might be handy. Yeah, this is a new offering, I think, for him. Uh, he calls it the Simubox M4 GT3. Um, he off before we've talked about this guy when he because he offers the Porsche 919 box that kind of replicates what's in a Porsche. Uh, which is pretty pretty slick. Now this one, this new one, the M4 GT3. I think the the big thing on this one is it's got the emergency stop for your wheel up at the top, like a top button, which is kind of unique. I don't think I've ever seen that. Where normally all the buttons are just on one side, but in this case, you know they're all on one side. But he's got the emergency stop on the top, uh, which makes it unique, and it really caught my eye. Well, that's a great sell because that I, these are the first button boxes that I've seen that include that feature, right? It's almost something we've had to buy separate or uh, either DIY or straight from Fanatec. 
Right. To have it included in the, the box itself. Yeah, that is uh, unique and uh, a first time thing. Yeah, I don't remember covering the 919 uh, box, but I, so I'm taking a look at it. That's interesting. Yeah, it's got a, a different shape to it, kind of like a, I don't know, a, a triangle almost. Uh, but um, that would probably but, be what fits on a dash. And it's just, it's got four, four rows of four of buttons. And I guess I, I have no idea what all that would be used for, I guess, in the real car anyway. So this is an eBay store sim u box if that had been around if i were if i'd have been aware of it with that emergency stop i probably would have gotten something like that instead of the the little diy stop definitely pretty cool all right this one comes from uh our one of our very active uh discord community members dr orzy he said these have pedal sex appeal they look really well made and have abs i wonder if that means it's just a rumble motor or something even better. The elastomers are fully enclosed, which is definitely a good thing with these LC pedals. So you can't over squash them and cause permanent deformation or even bust them. I also like the fact that once you calibrate them, it's saved on the PCB. So no need for in-game calibration. What he's talking about are the AP-121 from AuguriSimulations.com. Uh, these are new pedals. Uh, they're on pre-order. Um, they start uh, de a delivery date of June 2022. Uh, they're at uh, 1,100 euros, excluding VAT. And all, um, jet black. Sell, right? Yeah, the, the black is pretty cool. Um, they're all load cell, so they're not, not hydraulics. Um, and the throttle is a... Uh, you know, has a, these, those absorption rubbers with springs and bearings. Um, that brake design. Though, I really like the black. That brake design, though, has two cylinders instead of one. So that makes me wonder what that is. Maybe that has something to do with the ABS. Ah. Oh, actually, what it, yeah, what it could do. If it's actually proper ABS, it would push the brake back out. When, if you, uh, when you actually activate the, an, an ABS on your car, you can actually feel it pushing the brake back against your feet. Okay. Yeah, that, that might be it. Yeah. Huh. That's a neat look. It's got, like you said, two rods connected to the pedal instead of the normal one. So that definitely looks different than any pedals we've seen so far. And it is definitely a, a very sleek design. The colors, oh man, they got some gold parts on them with a little bit of like the spring stuff is like the spring is silver. The, there's some gold swivel pieces and accents, I should say. And then everything else is like a jet black. Um, neat look. It's kind of interesting. We, we talk about all this hardware um, and the artistry of the design is actually kind of a factor that can influence um, if, you, if you buy it or not. Absolutely. Uh, these are from Spain. Uh, you know, I was talking before the show. I mean, I bought my my uh, gear shift from Russia, my button box from Poland, my wheels from Germany, my new wheel Cummins from Italy, my, my cockpits from Finland. So, you know, I, I pick what I think is the best or the, like I said, the neatest design, you know, the new wheel I bought from Italy is definitely pick that based on look more than anything. So what do we got next? We got a racing simulator trash talk which leads to the ultimate 
upgrade? <laughs> this is a great video. I I found this YouTube channel last night. I sat down and watched this guy's video. Um, and I liked it. I was entertained. Uh, this guy's called Be Tough. I, I have never heard of his channel before. Um, he has a, a wide variety of topics, but he has a simulator in his uh, living room, a, a play seat. But he's got it on a motion thing, and he's got you know a, a lot of upgrades. But basically, he was he started the video saying, you know, I'm sick and tired of people trash talking my play seat with the thing up between my legs. And so I'm sick of it. (laughs) I'm sick of it. I'm going to build me a proper rig. And so he goes out to his garage. He's got, he's a welder. He's got some welding stuff and he starts putting pipe together and metal bits. And he goes through the process and documents his rig build basically. Um, When he's done, it looks nice. Now, did he just design this himself? Yeah, he just basically uh, drew it on a napkin kind of thing and uh, bent some pipe and, you know, for the angle uh, up for the steering column thing. And when he's done, it looked really good. Um, He's got some really good wiring skills that I I was trying to pick up on uh, because he keeps it in his living room and you can't see any wires at all. I mean, he does a really good job. He's got four butt kicker amps. He's got all the amps and all the different in the computer, all behind the monitor. Like everything is totally hidden. Um, he even hides his VR behind the monitor when he's not using it. Yeah, that, he's got a couple of fan blowers on there as well, right? Yeah, yeah he's got the uh, the SRS uh, Studio uh, Sim uh, Wind Sim thing. That's very cool. Now he just needs triples. Well, if he's got VR, you don't need triples. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, he needs a better VR because he's got the, uh, the, uh, what's he got? the Oculus uh, Quest. He's got a, a, a proper race seat on a, a mover, like a, you know, a motion thing that just moves the seat, basically. This thing is heavy, too. It's all heavy metal, heavy pipe. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's got this base thing that he put it on. So it's it's pretty massive. He built it kind of like they make roll cages out of the, uh, you know, out of the tubular steel. He just bends it and builds it and stuff like that, which is kind of how they, they build like roll cages. So, yeah, look. Accomplished machinist. Yeah, if you look at like the 2130 mark, you'll see behind the monitor how he's got it all set up. Look at where he put the fans. I mean, he put the fans down by the pedals. And that gave me an idea. Like, that's where I'm thinking about putting mine, like way down by the pedals, maybe on the far side of the pedals to get them physically away from me. And then the hoses, you know, come up to his face. Anyway, I was entertained, so I thought I would share this with the group. Uh, It was a good video, so I subscribed, and uh, we'll see what else this guy's got. Let's talk NASCAR iRacing Series. We got Richmond Friday. I was registering for the race. It was minutes before the top of the hour. I was in the new UI. 
like I said before, I, I couldn't find it when I initially went in. I had to type, start typing into the search NASCAR iRacing series. It came up as I started typing. I probably had to type three or four letters. And, and then I found it. I clicked it. And then I got a text from my son. Hey, Dad, I just wrecked my car. Can you come save me? So I withdrew. I think I withdrew in time where I didn't get punished. Um, and went and saved my son. He totaled his car and uh, he didn't get hurt, but yeah, so I had to go pick him up. And nobody from our team ran. I wonder if it was because of that UI. Well, I was playing a show. I think that's the first time that nobody's ran a Friday night race from our team in a long time. What about Sunday morning? Doesn't look like anybody else ran either because of the UI. Mm-hmm. Okay, do we see a trend here? Well, no, the UI was already open at that oh. point. Um, why didn't I run? Had I already messed my pedal up at that point? So do you want to talk about that now? Sure. Um, I can't remember if that's why I didn't run or not. Um, at some point, I was having uh, a little bit of a with a little bit of an issue with the throttle and I got with Lawrence and he showed me how to fix it. It was just basically tightening, pull, pulling of the sensor off and tightening a spot and kind of reseating it. I did all that and then I think uh, I did something wrong when I put the, the damper back in on the throttle and I went to go calibrate it and I bent the shaft. I can even show the the old damper right here. You can you can see where the, the, the shaft is completely bent. Um, I got. I, I showed the picture, and they made a funny joke on the on the Semicube Cube uh, channel because they said it must have been le- you don't skip leg day, do you? And ironically, that morning I had done leg day, um, so yeah, that, that was no good. Um, I got the part back Wednesday. They, he sent me a, a, immediately a replacement uh, damper, and. Um, I got most of it back on there, but it, I had to wait on him to, to tell me it was okay to use pliers to help me get get one of the pieces completely tight uh, once I did that. So when I ran uh, one race at Martinsville, I ran it with a, the F1 wheel and a hand throttle. We'll, we'll get there when we get there. Wow. But it's working now. I got it. I, I got it on there this morning and tested it and tested it again some more when I got home. And uh, I'm going to run be able to run a regular martinsville tonight all right very good uh i ran sunday fixed website was back up at that point uh with steve Allen. steve uh had a great night he ran p6 i ended up p20 uh but finished on track p8 i had a drive-through penalty um you know it was a tough race 19 cautions i think the longest green flag was 23 laps uh all those incidents were really my doing, but uh, yeah, it kind of sucked getting that drive-through. Moving on to Martinsville, Wednesday open. David, you wrecked out. Yep, I when I couldn't get the part exactly the way I wanted it um, and hadn't and hadn't heard back from Lawrence yet, I decided to go ahead and throw on the formula wheel and just configure it to to throttle with the hand. I still had the brake, but I was throttling with the hand. Um, it did okay, but. And I, was, I could make good lap times by myself, but I just did not feel as comfortable side-by-side side with guys with that wheel. I just didn't, I felt like I was, I was too much closer to the edge of making a mistake than, I, than I, with the oval rim. So I, wasn't, I just wasn't running great in traffic. 
And then it, towards the end, I just pulled the throttle too hard one time and uh, took myself out. I did run into a weird glitch that, that I think you've mentioned before as well. I had a, at some point I had to serve a penalty for speeding in the pits. Um, it was excessive speeding actually, because I was trying to beat the pace car out uh, because the car shut down when I was doing repairs. And I had everything cleared. I literally entered pit road and pushed the clear button to, to, that macros everything cleared. And if you watch the timer, the way they have caution set up, or the way they have black flag penalties now when you serve it, is you it adds like a, a I guess um, about a 35 second penalty, right? If you do any service to the car. So when we were getting ready to go green, it was saying it, you know it was saying 40 seconds. I push the clear button, it comes down to 15 seconds. I enter the track, caution comes out while I've already while I've already entered the pits. So I'm able to serve my penalty, but lo and behold, even though it only made me go for 15 seconds, it gave me right side tires. Yeah. And I, I know I did not push that. I mean, I know I didn't push the button or it would have made me serve a 40 second penalty. It only made me serve the 15 second penalty, but still switched the right side tires. It was a strange glitch. Yeah, I had a similar thing in Atlanta where I ended up with three sets of right sides on the same stop. One of them was my doing, but the other one was a, he gave it to me without me doing anything. It was crazy. The other thing that's broke at Martinsville, uh, wave rounds. Uh, you, you're lapped, you stay out, the leader's pit, The you're behind the pace car, the leader's behind you. You get to the one to go, it does not wave you around the pace car like it should in NASCAR. And that's odd they, because the one time I was in that position, I did get the wave around. So many people reporting the wave around problem. I, in fact, it bit me where I had to restart the race in front of the leaders as a, as a lapper. So I was down a lap. I'm behind the pace car. The pace car pulls onto pit road. We're going green and I'm take, I'm leading the field to green, but I'm a lap car. So it didn't even, it didn't even put me behind the leaders. Like normally, like if you're a lap down, it should, and you didn't get a wave around, it should put you behind the lead lappers, but it didn't even do that. I was starting in front of the leaders. Anyway, they need to fix that. I ended up P13. I ended up with a drive-through for too many incidents near the end. There was not enough time to recover. Probably ran as high as seventh. Uh, there were 21 cautions. Now, I told Tony at one point during the race, man, maybe I should purposely get to 17 incidents now so I have time to recover from it because it, they, I kept getting more incidents and creeping up to 16. And I, you know, I should have did that. I, I almost should wish I did because when I did get to 17, there were only a handful of laps left and I just didn't have time to get back up through there. You would have been a lot closer to getting DQ'd though as well. Frustrating. Uh, Kyle Pendigraf ran with us for uh, for the first time in a while. Uh, DQ'd out uh, as well. Um, he had he got full DQ'd out actually. Um, Adam was in the same split as me, and um, he he uh, spun his tires on the restart and, and took himself out. That seems to be a trend with Adam, right? Lately, this year, spinning the tires on the restart, just taking himself it? out. Um, maybe. Once a week, he's done it. 
Uh, Steve Allen ran. He was in his own split. He quietly left TeamSpeak. Uh, I, I assume he wrecked out. Tony Rochette, P8. The burb is back in the car, recovering chicken wing and all. Car felt great even being used and abused like the bursa sack that was taking out of my shoulder. Damaged on the start of the race, went down a lap a couple of times to get damage fixed and kept getting hit. Car still fast, ended race with a very rare 1X to DQ. Tom Dryling, P5. Started on the pole, led for the first 75 laps till I decided to pit. Worked my way back to the lead while taking it easy, easy through tra lap traffic. The second place car turned me. Got a lot of damage and really wasn't able to run fast laps. I'll take a top five, look forward to Sunday. Yeah, he was the car to beat till he got hit. Um, and he had, he, he said it felt like something was dragging, like the car wasn't right at all and he was losing spots. So, yeah. I think we almost, Tom could almost rename Martinsville Tomville. He loves that track. Yeah, I think he's expecting to win Sunday. Um, he, he was very confident in that race and and was the car to beat. All right, today I ran Thursday Open, P13. That's not how I ran, though. Um, I started 19th. I got as high as second on the final green-white checker with 16X at that moment. The guy uh, in second uh, comes into me. I was third. Yeah, something like that. Second or third. Uh, on the white, I spin. I get DQ'd. They put me last car on the lead lap, P13. But I was in position to win. I think I was third on the second green-white checker. I was second on the final green-white checker. I was just inching my way forward the whole race and uh, just ran out of incidents, really. Um, and you know that last on the white, I got spun and and obviously lost my track position, so it didn't work out. But but before that, I was I was stoked. I was like, man, I'm in position to win again at the end of the race, just like it was at Richmond, just like it was at Phoenix, you know. And then here I am, Martinsville, in position to win, and I I can't get it done. I can't get it done. Tony Rochette, he ran as well, P5. He's had a lot better run today with only 8X and stuck on the outside for uh, just about all 19 cautions. Let's talk other racing. I ran Chris McGuire hosted this weekend. It was Kia's at Daytona. A big wreck. Uh, man, big wreck. I put that in the chat. It was cars everywhere. One thing I noticed about the Kia's at Daytona the Kia can stop on a dime. I mean, the brakes on this car are better than any car. I, I, I couldn't believe how fast this car stops. It, I think there, it might even be broke. Like, it's, it stops too well. Next, we ran the 87s at Talladega. I almost won it. I was P2. But uh, yeah, I, I put down this is my favorite combination in iRacing. Uh, the 87s at Talladega. Let's go to leagues. Uh, fast track was at Richmond. Uh, David, you didn't run because of your pedals. Bobby got early damage. He was laps down. Me, I got a P10. I actually started dead last. I lost a lap at one point. Fought for the lucky dog and eventually got it. Pretty much finished where I deserved. I, I think, you know, P10 was about what speed I was running. Greg uh, got a P3. 
I think he finished better than he was running. All right, uh, next up, OBRL Aftermath Truck Series. It's Tom Ogle for the win at Martinsville. Dean Gear second, Dwayne MacArthur third. And the last one is the Get Her Done GT3 Series, Saturday, uh, Thursday night, Greg wins. Big winner, I don't know what track it was. Isn't that a Canadian Tire? Didn't he do it to say it was a home track? There you go, Canadian Tire. Well done, Greg. Wins it with damage. He's got nose damage there. And with that, let's jump to final thoughts. Brian McCubbin. I, um, hey, I want to jump off of a conversation they had on the Door Bumper Clear podcast. Um, they were talking a little bit about F1 and, and the growing popularity and how much it was tied to uh, like the, the show that's on Netflix, The Drive to Survive. And um, uh, NASCAR desperately needs something along those lines um the, like the fox pre-race show is total garbage what they said they have like a dancing watermelon seed or some nonsense like that it's it's not it's it's a it's an entertainment show the pre-race it's not for like racing fans you're not going to learn anything um and, or you're not going to get any great stories um so but but they could really use a, a, a quality-made uh, documentary-style behind-the-scenes program like that Drive to Survive. Um, um, I know uh, the, the, the one driver said that Bubba, has the, Bubba Wallace has the Netflix show, but that's, that's not going to cut it. Um, they, they really need something to you know, really, really show what, um, what goes on into these what goes on getting into these races and and all the behind the scenes stuff that makes makes the personal stories uh, relatable so you get invested in in this in this um series so uh that's my suggestion i know they probably heard that a thousand times before but i just want to re- reiterate um that nascar needs something like that it's it's, it's about time yeah. they've tried about- to do some some reality type stuff before uh and F1 has already almost started to fall into this trap of starting to try to manufacture some of the drama. So I, I like the idea. I just want to get away from that. What happens with all the reality shows where they may just, they just set up and manufacture drama. Right. And, and the thing is, is that NASCAR has that drama and it's legit. Most of the times it doesn't need to be manufactured. You know, you know how F1 races are. They kind of, they kind of feel get set, and and you know, there's not a whole lot of uh, uh, high end excitement as far as like uh, beating and banging or anything like that. Well, NASCAR's got that in spades, and they could capitalize that on that with a uh, with a with a show that really really goes over that and gets deep into those kind of uh, conflicts. It would make it so much more interesting. Do you remember the show that covered a lot of the modifieds at Bowman Gray a few years back? Do it was on Discovery. It was a. It was a. It was a. Uh, yeah, and that was awesome too. It's about these guys you've never heard of. Um, a track most people probably never heard of, but it was put on in a way that made it so interesting, and you got so invested in it. It, it was fantastic. I'd love to see a show follow Parker Retzlaff through his coming into the Xfinity series as he's in the Coke series doing virtual and real racing at the same time. Sounds like a neat idea. Yeah. There's a lot of ways they can go with, with that, but, but they, it's, it's a platform that they're, they're just, they're just missing on right now. And they, and they need, they need to get their 
foot in the door of something like this. And, and I think that's part of the reason why like these podcasts, like, Dale Jr. Download and and uh, Door Bumper Clear so popular. There's not anything that really does uh, in-depth race ca- recaps and stuff like that. That show you know have some fun with it and and uh, and get into some of the uh, some of the conflicts and some of the drama that goes on week by week. Okay, cool. David Hall, final thoughts. Got a couple things. Um, Last week, uh, I wasn't doing a concert. It was kind of funny how you how you called that when you were talking in the results. I played a musical. Um, you know, being a doubling woodman player, it's a, it's always fun to uh, get in the stage, and that's the first musical I've been able to play in three years. So it was nice to get back to do that. It's a one one of the other reasons I don't like to do uh, usually weeknight leagues. Normally, is because I end up having a lot of gigs when things are normal, but. Um, Got it was nice to get that down. Uh, also, I I had the pedal issue, and once again, uh, sim coaches showed how they have the best customer service out there. Um, they put it in the mail on on that Saturday. It, I sent them. I remember now that I sent the picture to them on Saturday, and um, it was in the mail on Saturday, and I got it by Wednesday. So that you know, that's just unbelievable. Uh, customer service if you and that they're quality pedals if you want to race with with if you want to spend the money on quality pedals and they do make a difference especially for any of us mid-pack race you know middle of the road anywhere from 2000 to 4000 i rating guys i really do feel like they are a difference maker and it's just so nice to be able to hop on discord and get stuff taken care of even on the weekends so you you think you'd ever get a response from an email from that other company in the middle of a weekend well you have to stay up to like 3 a.m if you want to email fan attack and have a live response is that what you mean i was trying to be be nice and not say the other company because i i love their products but they definitely lack on the uh, customer service side Okay, and I see Greg again. Greg Hectus, final thoughts. I was just pop, popping back in here uh, before I uh, was about to race here at Watkins Glen in the uh, Gitter Dunn series. But uh, yeah, I'm just uh, hopefully you guys had a good show. I was kind of busy doing some stuff. So uh, hopefully uh, this was a, a busy week with topics and uh, um, can't wait to run some Martinsville and. Uh, Maybe go for two in a row here at the Get Her Done uh, series race here. Yeah, go back it up, man. Two in a row. Get it done. All it's right. Get, it's Get Her Done. Get Her Done. It's Get It's get Her Done. Get it. That's what I say in the chat when I get fired up. Get it. Okay, my final thoughts. Uh, yeah, love having a project. I'm waiting for my wheel from Italy. Um, should ship. But in a week, but I checked their website. It just says processing, which is what it said the first day I bought it. So it doesn't look like they're doing anything. But anyway, this wind sim is fun. But I think I'm in over my head with the soldering stuff. So I hope I can figure out a solution. Uh, I'm going to throw, throw more money at it. You know, I'll, uh, I'll buy the magnifying glass and, uh, and I'll probably screw this this motor control board up the first attempt would be my guess and I'll have to buy another one but I don't care I'm gonna figure it out um, got a backup plan 
I hope, you know, like maybe I'll get my son to come over and try it. I don't know, but excited to have that wind blowing on me when it's real hot. Um, that'll be nice. I usually am sweating at the end of these races, so I think that's going to be a nice uh, comfort level change and looking forward to it. Also excited to, you know, be in contention at Martinsville like I was at, uh, you know, Phoenix and, so, and some of these other tracks. And uh, it just feels good to, in, to be running well in these cars. Uh, these cars are hard to drive. Um, this week at Martinsville is much like Martinsville last year. Um, but I, I'm running like I usually do, top five. So let's go get it. We'll try to get a win tomorrow. And with that, hey, we'll see you later. See you on the track. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.